When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brother, do you know Chevy K from Crossing Broad? Uh, I do not know him, no. Well, I know who he is. Chevy yeah, K. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> anyway. It's always soccer in Philadelphia on a Monday afternoon, and if the season ended today, the Philadelphia Union would be Eastern Conference champions because they are right where they should be at the top of the table after one game with a plus three Gold differential. Uh, I hope you all found that one as exciting as I did. I uh, wasn't totally feeling the first 15 minutes, but there was never a doubt in my mind that they would find a way. And so here we are talking about the Philadelphia Union. One win uh, in one game so far to start off the season on a positive note. We're going to break down the game, talk about the goals. We'll talk about penalty kicks and handballs and Everything else with Peter Andrews from the Philly Soccer Page, who joins the program once again. What's good, man? It's good to have you back, Kevin. It's always uh, it's always good to come on. Thanks for having me. I I feel like I usually come on at the start of the year, and I point out that you know three years ago I came on after the LAFC game, about two days before the pandemic uh, put <laughs> the season to an end, and uh, so I'm. I'm hoping for better luck this time. That's right. Yeah, let's hope it does not go straight to shit here after this episode and they don't come out and lose the next two or three or whatever. But, uh, I mean, what a way to start, man. I, um, Yeah, they couldn't sniff the ball for like the first 10 or 15 minutes. I'm sort of thinking to myself, all right, let's uh, let's make an adjustment here. You know, I was like an Eagles fan talking very generically about Jonathan Gannon. I hope they make an adjustment here, you know, in the 15, 20 minutes, you know, the, around that point of the game. Uh, and they did, and you know, really, it was it was very simple. They just stepped the center backs up, and they played them a lot tighter to uh, Zellerion and to Darlington Nagby, and they they kind of tried to squeeze the space a little bit more and just make that line a little bit tighter and play a little higher up the field, and that made all the difference. And uh, you know, they got an iffy penalty at the end of the half, and then whatever Jim Curtin said to him at halftime worked because uh, they looked much more like the team that we we've watched for the last couple of years, just putting crunching tackles in. Uh, dispossessing opponent opponents and getting out on the counter and scoring a couple couple uh, you know banging uh, goals from uh, the run of play in the process. So um, you know I think that's just what changed the game that that defensive adjustment for them and then just sort of uh, up in the tempo for them in the second half. Uh, you were down there at the game. Yeah, you were, uh, you, your macro level takeaway from the win. Yeah, I mean let's start with the defensive part of it like uh because i had the same thought as you in the first 15 minutes like this is you don't usually see a team that's just kind of like keeping the union from even touching the ball they weren't really generating a ton of serious chances with it but um jim did say after the game you know yeah we made some defensive adjustments and, and i had a chance to talk to jacob glesnas a little bit in locker room and he said he was very honest about it he's like yeah you know it felt a little weird to be chasing these guys basically into the midfield but worked out what we needed to do to kind of disrupt they were trying to do. Um, I think so few teams like really try to play against the union because they just know that it's because the union are so good that 
they know nothing's going to come of it. And so I think Columbus, they clearly want to try to play. I think it was better for the union that they got Columbus in the first game, right, where they're still trying to figure it out. They totally broke in the second half. Didn't look anything like the team in the first half. I think by the end of the year, they've got some quality. They could be a, a, a contender. I mean, the macro level thing is like, this is a team that started 11 guys who were on the best team in union history last year. I know. I know. Uh, and so, you know, they have such incredible continuity. Um, I think if you had said in, in November, whenever MLS cup was like every single one of these starters is going to be back, you would have been, well, you would have been surprised. You'd be really optimistic about this season. And they, it looked like they picked up right where they left off. It's crazy, man. I don't think people made enough of, uh, I don't think that was talked about enough in the off season. You know, I mean, yeah. they're they they're running it back with the best team in franchise history, a team that technically did not even lose MLS Cup. They lost it on penalties. You know, they played to a three three draw. I mean, uh, the fact that Wagner is still around, Jose Martinez is still around. I don't know what it says about those guys and their value overseas, but I, I was stunned that they were able to c- come back with the, with the full team. You know, and then depth to boot. You know, um, and they're running it back with guys who aren't like it'd be one thing if it felt like they were cresting kind of an age curve, yeah, but everyone is basically in their prime. I mean, with the exception of Bedoya, who's, yes. you know, in his thirties, like everyone right. else is between what, 26 and 29. Yeah, but Bedoya, by the way, who we've been wondering for the last three years, when his legs are going to finally run out on him. I mean, he still looks good. So, I mean, I, I'll admit that I was off on that one. I thought he would, he would not be anywhere close to the player that he is um, at age 35. But yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> like those couple sequences watching like Glessness and Elliot, being like 20 yards inside the Columbus half, like chasing guys who are much smaller than them into the midfield. But it worked, you know, because they just pushed them backwards and they moved them. They, they didn't give them that time and space on the ball. And then you had guys rotating out to, to cover, you know, I mean, you had your shuttlers back there, you had your fullbacks back there. So it wasn't, it wasn't pushing them up and making them chase in, in lieu of, uh, you know, losing bodies on the back line. Right. It was just, they wanted to get up on their back and make it so they couldn't turn. And, um, yeah, it's funny to me because people were, because we were talking. I think you're like me, and you're kind of pragmatic when it comes to the the, the penalties uh, that were called against Columbus. But look, I, the Union scored four goals, right? So even if you took away both of the penalties, if we said both of the penalties were bullshit, they still would have won two to one, right? I mean, so it doesn't it doesn't change the narrative or like the overarching takeaway for me because they still would have beat them even without those penalties. So I'm glad that that was not yeah the thing that we're talking about today. We can still talk about it from the standpoint of. I, I I don't know. I, I mean, you know me. Well, so, I mean, like, let's let's just get into that first one. I mean, yeah. he's you know you're essentially just whapping the ball as hard as you can. It hits the guy's hand a foot away from you. Yeah, um, and that's that's a penalty. I mean, I guess it technically is a penalty, but um, I mean, <sighs> there's no way that guy can get out of the way. Which is which is I think what my thing is. It was Muhammad Farsi, and like yeah. You had a really good, I thought Farsi had a really good first half going down the, you know, they did, they, they really pinned Wagner back in that first half. Yeah. Um, a lot of that was Farsi working with Cucho Hernandez. Um, and then, yeah, he gets, you know, w- what's he supposed to do about it? And I think the counterpoint is like, well, you know, tough luck. Maybe there's some of that. I don't know. It's just, I, it's, it's soft to me. Um, and that's, it's the kind of thing where, Sometimes it feels like, and I'm not saying this is what the union were doing, but a lot of the times it feels like once the ball gets in the box, everyone is just screaming for a penalty rather than trying to score a goal. And I hate that. I hate that. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah you're yeah. just trying to whack the ball and hope it hits off someone's arm. Um, that's, that's not really what this 
things about, you know? No, no. And like the practical side of me will say that, look, if you've got the opponent pinned back and you're in their box and you're just ripping shots left and right, then yeah, you put yourself in a position where you're probably going to benefit from that more than anything. So I think I, I, you know, even if the game ended like two to one or something and the union scored those two bullshit penalties or whatever, I'd say, well, you know, they had the crew under pressure and they were just, you know, it was like a firing squad in there for a little bit and they were just, you know, uh, unleashing shots and and so you give them credit for for putting the other team in a position where those kinds of mistakes can happen but i mean farsi is like less than two feet away from the ball he can't get away from that and if you if you watch it back you know it's uh, kind of like a recycled set piece and the ball falls in the box and they square it back and he's just turning and reacting to a cutback pass you know his arm is naturally going to be like up a little bit as he's turning i don't know about you but i've never seen anybody turn and pivot with their hands at their side right because you're not uh because we're not penguins, right? You know, penguins walk around with their – do they have arms or fins? Or what are we, what are we calling them? What are There's they your like? title for the episode. <laughs> it's like these guys – because I hear people say like, well, all you got to do is keep your hands at your side. But you're, you're not like, you know, again, you're playing soccer. You're not walking around Antarctica like a penguin in the box trying to keep if your hands. If you're doing it at top speed, how are you keeping your balance if you're also gluing your arms to your – your- yeah, you don't. You use your arms for for like just turning leverage and balance and stuff like that. And so I just don't think that like his arm was in any kind of un, unnatural position. I would say that the second one I thought actually probably made more sense. Just even though the ball was hit just as hard, um, Dagenek was a little bit further away, and that probably changed the. It was easier to see that that changed the trajectory of the ball. So I mean, why I guess did, you- why did it take so long? I mean, this is what I keep coming back. Like I'm a little mm-hmm. more annoyed about the second one only because VAR is so frustrating to me. The mm-hmm inconsistency with which it's applied the kind of uh the way uh it takes way too long to make these decisions i mean uh you know that that was a five minute delay in the game and i i think they got the right call in the end but um i mean for one i don't know how it's clear and obvious when it takes that long to figure it out and if it's process error that's something mls has got to figure out because to me those var reviews totally destroy the flow of games like Um, it's one thing, you know, I think we're all used to football where you're used to like, okay, we got it. We'll just go to commercial break for a catch or whatever. Um, that's bad enough, but (laughs) soccer does not have these kinds of breaks in it. You know, no, no, no. you basically like, that was the end of the game. Like, obviously you're up three, one in the 60, whatever minute, like that is kind of the end of the game anyway, but it just totally, uh, broke the flow, the long delay, the long run up, God's dog buries the penalty. And then that's basically it, you know? Yeah. I I mean, everybody who's listened to this show in the past knows that my philosophy on penalties is just that I I don't like things ever having to come down to penalties. I don't like penalty kicks on handballs. I don't like guys diving in the box. I don't, I don't like one, nothing games being decided by questionable, penalty kicks i don't like guys blowing up their individual stats by scoring seven penalties in one year i don't like mls cup being decided on penalty kicks you know but that's why i go back to what i said earlier about i'm glad they scored those two goals from the run of play because it removed that from the equation like i know everybody's talking about the joaquin torres you know pirouette the little zidane move and then the left-footed pass which is one of the quite frankly one of the best passes i've seen this team play in the last couple years but i thought the other goal that they scored the second goal which ended up being the game winner um, I broke that down on video on my Twitter account, and I just thought that was the better like team goal because it was it was prototypical union, you know, yeah. and it was just uh, a good read by Leon Flock. I give him credit more than anybody for that goal. Just a good initial press, then the secondary press comes from Jose Martinez. Bang bang, you spring the four v three going the other way, and that was just classic. That's what they were doing 
when Brendan was here, you know, cause then 2021 came around, they had Jamiro playing in that role. And then last year they didn't, they really, everybody kept saying high press, high press, high press. They hadn't been a high pressing team for a while, but that was the perfect example of it right there. So they, not only are they still good at it, but they can still do it when they read those cues. Well, it's the combination of the high press plus the, the midfield turnover, which is like so many union goals start with the kind of middle third turnover, um, at least middle third to kind of opposition half turnover. Uh, you know, what I think, what I thought Columbus was doing in the first part of the game was because they're compressing the space and they're keeping the space in the union half. It was tough for the union to get those kinds of turnovers that they use to start their attack. But when the union are able to generate that turnover where like Martinez, he wins the ball and he's able to immediately play the guys forward. You get the odd man rush. It's yeah. a really quality pass from Jose, who I thought had a you know a typically uh, really good Jose game, except for the part where at one point he yelled at a referee for like no reason. Um, uh, <laughs> well, that's that just comes with the territory. Yeah, now. you, you, know, you kind of expect that. No, um, no. It's a great ball by Gazdag to find Bedoya, and it's a good ball from Bedoya. And then when you look at that finish from Carranza, I mean, it is such a quality, him realizing that he's only got one way to get the ball past the keeper and and him doing that. Um, We can talk more about the other goal in a second, but I I was curious what you thought. It really jumped out to me in the press conference after the game that Curtin said when asked about Carranza, like, oh, teams are asking about him with Ernst and we we hope he's going to have a great year. We hope it's a full season here. Um, I mean, there have not been any concrete rumors about Carranza, but like that just jumped out to me as like, they're really thinking he could be gone in the summer. Well, shit, I guess I never have really considered that, you know, I mean, I just, uh, you know, cause we always talk about, we talk about the same guys over and over. Are they going to lose Wagner? Are they going to lose Martinez is, you know, you know, glass is going to go back at some point. I don't know. I guess I never thought of that you know that worries me a little bit more because when you think about who this in terms of saleable assets i mean julian Carranza is what 22 23 a guy great pedigree out of the south american league like they're going to be uh or a south american league they're going to be teams down there that are interested there might be teams abroad who 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 say like when he's that young he's scoring goals he's got the work rate he's got the finishing like he he's one who you could see a team in Europe saying, "Oh, like this guy's worth a." That's true. Yeah, that's that's true, and I don't you know worries me a little bit too because I mean Corey Burke's not there anymore. I mean your next striker off the bench is you know I don't know. I guess they played uh, Torres there because they what, did they sub him in for Ua in the second yeah. half. I guess yeah. So and he's not really a striker, but yeah, that's that's curious. I mean, it's interesting that Jim would come out and say that, especially after the first game, but. Yeah, I mean, he keeps scoring goals, then then yeah, he's going to have interest overseas for sure. I um, it was interesting because in the first half, I thought I'm like, hey, this is a Mikel Ura game because they've got him pinned back so deep, and Columbus is pushing those wing backs up, and uh, you know they're only playing three at the back. I'm like, man, if you can drive a few diagonals into the corner there, you pull some Sebastian Latou 2010 kind of stuff and let him run. Yeah, and they ended up not really having to do that because they made the defensive adjustment just to push their whole line up instead, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it was a good game all around. I love how Gajdog, too, gets the second two <laughs> secondary assists and two penalties. The secondary assists and two penalties. <laughs> talk about talk about a really legit lead in the uh, golden goal race. <laughs> no, he's like he's like one of those guys that you just have to like like uh, play him in uh, fantasy or something because you're not sure how, but he ends up with the with the points anyway. But I mean, yeah, I mean, the one was a great pass, you know, for him to hold on to that 
um, and the game winning goal for him to hold and hold and hold and then play at the right time. I mean, there's a lot of skill with that, sure. And scoring penalties is skill too. It just makes me laugh because it's like, you know, I'm looking at DraftKings before the game and I'm like, yeah, I don't know what kind of values here anymore because people like the union now. Like, I can't find the good, <laughs> I can't find the like little secret, like plus odds things I used to play all the time, but that, there's still value in that. You know, he's a like the gosh dog, uh, to score a goal or assist at like minus one. 10 or 105 or whatever it is that's that's that this year may be like the Jalen Hurts anytime touchdown you know because because he just he's going to take the penalties and he's going to be in and around it and you know like Hurts is going to get the the double cheek push or whatever from the one yard line so it's it's there you know but it just it was crazy to me I think just how how much they flipped a switch and were able to turn it on and just look like a completely different team I think Jim he may have even said after the game uh you know we didn't even I didn't really have to give them instructions. Yeah, know? he sort of said in the presser, he was like, I let them figure it out. I mean, this is the advantage. I asked him about kind of what the advantage of continuity is, you know, having the same group of guys yeah. this year and last year. And he said, you know, what he said was interesting was everyone knows each other's strengths, but they also know each other's weaknesses. And they, once you have that understanding, you can solve problems in a, in a simpler way because mm-hmm. you figure out how to get guys in the right spaces and out of the wrong ones. And it seemed like, it didn't seem like there was some halftime, you know, we got to go do this, you know, let's wake, let's wake up. This was much more of a, you guys know what to do. Like, let's go, let's go do it. Um, and they're yeah. just, they're so devastating on the counterattack that it's, uh, it's, I mean, it, it helped. I think that they got the PK right before halftime. Cause that at least you go in at one, one, you're in better shape. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Isn't that so applicable though to to like anything really? I mean, because I have I'm a I'm a manager now <laughs> at the company, so I have a couple guys who are like you know my guys or whatever. You know, like Pagan and you know Anthony San Filippo is one of our freelancers or whatever. I don't give anybody like any instructions because we've been working together for so long now that we just like I know what they do and what they're capable of and how they but like it's, that's different from like yeah. think about wilfred nancy on the other touch line right yeah yeah yeah. you know yeah. he's got 11 guys some of those guys are brand new he started a couple he gave a couple guys mls debuts he's working yeah. with a new group they and it seemed pretty clear that once the union made their adjustment there wasn't a forthcoming adjustment being made whereas the no. union are just no. they can solve a lot of problems that are thrown at them yeah, they can, and with minimal instruction too. And that's just like how anybody operates when you have that fluidity and continuity. And I think that's such an underrated thing, um, you know, going into the season. Uh, you know, the thing about the Tor- Torres too and that pass, uh, they, they don't. I don't. I'm. I was trying to think the last time they had anybody. I guess I would preface it by saying this: like Elsino is a Elsino is the best on ball like skill player that they've ever had, right? But Elsino is not some like number ten like who was going to unlock a defense or. But he was a, he was a winger. He's always been a wide player, right? You know, when I think back to like Christian Maidana, he always used to like he had fifteen assists that one season. He always used to pull wide, used to pull into the corner. Um, Brendan Aronson was a pressing number 10. Gaj Dog is kind of a late box arriver, penalty kick guy. They haven't really had like a slicing and dicing South American. Barnetta a little bit. Barnetta. I was thinking Dogecob maybe a little bit, but they've never really had a, like a, I don't know, like a, like a Maro. They're like a Zellerion. They've never I mean, really he really had is. A, he really does remind me of Roger Torres more than Roger I Torres. Yeah. I mean, in terms of like being a, He's just like a little guy who is who has that ability to control the ball and pick his. You know, I remember that first season. There were some games where like Torres would come on for twenty minutes and he would 
kind of he'd pick out a pass that you know you yeah. couldn't see anyone else on the team making. Yeah. Uh, but, but even general, then, they were a lot of he he hit a lot of like loopy kind of stuff with his left foot. I mean, he would yeah. put these pinpoint passes on people. But I like just to play like an on the ground through ball from like the middle of the field. I don't like. I just really don't remember that ever being a big part of any union team ever. I mean, I guess it's like the hardest thing to do on the field anyway. But they've never really. I don't know. I guess they just have. He's never a guy. Really what's amazing is that he's a guy who, if the season goes right he's going to play like the 13th most minutes in the squad or something like that, which is <laughs> yeah. crazy. I mean, yeah. the, the, the depth that they have with him now is, um, and the ability to change games off the bench, which is the one thing that I think a lot of us agreed was sort of lacking last season. I mean, they really have that because you can go offensive with him. You can put McGlynn in, you can, um, uh, or you can kind of tweak the defense with Andres mm-hmm. Perea. You've got Quinn Sullivan who got some minutes. Um, you've got um, like even a guy like Jesus Bueno who Curtin seemed happy with his preseason. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That was just such a sensational to have it be his first touch, right? Basically, his first touch is spin move, spin move, and assist like no one's ever seen to put the capper on the goal. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it's it's a real rise to the moment kind of thing, right? Yeah, I don't even know what we when they taught that to us in like second grade. What did they call it? Like a back? It's not the Beckenbauer, is it? Like Zidane does that little two foot turn all the time. Like for some reason, I just cannot remember the like the actual. I just call it a spin. I just call it a spin move. You know, you're yeah. pressing circle on the. Uh, the FIFA controller. Or whatever. There's an entire, there's an entire like 20 minute uh, YouTube clip that I think I watched a hundred times where it's just set. It's set to like some European like EDM song <laughs> and it's just Zinedine Zidane doing that turn like over and over again for Juventus and Real Madrid and everybody. But it was just, I think it just gives them the ability to to do so much more when you have those kinds of guys, uh, you know, coming off the bench and, and just, just being able to give you a bit of like directness and on ball skill and, and whatnot. I'm interested to see how they, how they evolve that way schematically. And if they can throw like a plan B or, or a, a formational or tactical plan, plan C at somebody at the same time too. It just feels like it's funny, man. Cause like, like I said, on the last podcast, they did, they could stay in the diamond for the entire year and probably hammer a bunch of teams four to one, but they have because of the continuity. Now they have the luxury of switching out and doing something different if they have to. So they're going to have a ton of games. So I'm interested to, um, to see where they go with it. So Jim mentioned after the game, that talked about the anonymous quote from the uh, MLS executive who was basically who picked the union to win it all and then proceeded to shit all over the union. <laughs> um, I threw the story on crossing Brock. So I was like, Oh, maybe, you know, the average Philly fan will, you know, appreciate this. But uh, what did you make of the quote and then him talking about it after the game? Well, it's so fun. I mean, I thought it was funny on a couple different levels. One of which is the quote is obviously stupid. I mean, there are definitely union teams of the curtain era who were like that, who I think kicked more than they had any real quality. Um, but in recent years, I don't think that's remotely true. And I think especially the 2022 union was uh, pound for pound the best team in the league and it wasn't because they were kicking the crap out of people it's, they scored 75 goals or whatever they were really good man they had like they individual were, they were really good and just because they did it in a you know they did it in this kind of uh, defense to offense kind of way I mean it was a dumb thing to say it is so funny to me to like 
<laughs> you know, there's kind of a, there's, there's the joke about, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs after winning the Super Bowl going, no one believed in us. It's like, well, you're the Kansas City Chiefs. And you have Patrick Mahomes. Like a lot of people believed in you. Um, it's like when you, it's like when UGA came out after beating TCU like sixty-five to seven, and they said no. people said we we're going seven and five this year. Yeah, like, I mean, the brainwash- like they couldn't, they couldn't even like like uh, Turkmenistan could not even brainwash Turkmenistan state television could not brainwash people the way that they uh, that Kirby Smart had them thinking. You know, I mean, it's just it's just funny because the union, I would say, almost every intelligent part of the football soccer media that I looked at was saying, like, look, the union are heavy favorites. They got continuity. They're really good. They got the, the best coach. They won, like, every award at the end of last season. Like, And and they find a way to uh, to suddenly to, – to basically make this the story. It's like, oh, one guy doesn't believe in us. Like, we're going to, like, call this out. And I think to Jim's credit, he wasn't he, – he, you know, I think he played it off the right way. I think the anonymous quotes are for cowards is a good – Philly way of responding to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't make too much of it. Like, I, you know, he wasn't saying like, oh, like, you know, these people are idiots, blah, blah, blah. I was just saying like, yeah, yeah. I told the guys like, we need to keep in mind that we haven't won anything yet. And I think that's, yeah, that's the right approach. I mean, I think it's funny because um, that's probably on, on the levels of on the, on the like motivational scale. I think disrespect is at the very bottom. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, such a rudimentary way to get yourself amped up about something. And, uh, you know, like, oh, you, uh, you know, disrespected me or you don't believe in me. I'm going to prove you wrong, you know, because that's external motivation. Right. But do you think that like guys who reached the pinnacle, like, do you think Tom Brady was ever motivated by like what people were saying about him? No. And so I, I think, know, the, like... the, but the union are good now. Right. Like, I mean, you get that one weird quote, but I think for the most part, people think they're a damn good team. Right. So I don't know. I don't know if you're picking, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I don't know if they're picking it low hanging fruit by going to that or caring about that. I don't know if they do. Um, but I mean, to me, this is a team that like, seems like they don't, they wouldn't even have to go there if, because they just seem like they, they're self motivators who, who, and they're, and they're winners. And there's no divas on this team and they seem like they would be, you know, just fine kind of generating their own, you know, motivation. No, I mean, I think I think they are. I, I, I don't think that they would have come out and played any differently if that quote hadn't come out. And yeah. I don't think that like pro athletes need that kind of thing. But I think pro athletes are wired very differently from you and me. And I do think, I mean, for me, at least, like, I don't think of myself as a pro athlete. I won't make any assumptions about <laughs> what's going on in Kincaid's head. But uh, I, I, I do think there is something about like between Jim and Bedoya, like I think Bedoya he does you know he's he's they're both guys who kind of wear their heart on their sleeve and who are like you know got a little bit of that chippy like you know fuck you kind of thing yeah Um, it wouldn't surprise me if uh there is a part of that that is like yeah you know we're gonna we're gonna show them or whatever Um, (laughs) there was definitely some of that last year like when they beat nyc in the final there was definitely a lot of like, well, they beat us last year and like we never forgot it and we never forgot the way that they danced yeah. around and stuff. So Yeah. Uh, I just I mean, don't see them going to the I don't see them going to the UGA and Kansas City Chiefs no, like, I don't think so. level of like North Korea brainwashing where it's like nobody believed in us, you know. It's like okay, so no one anonymous executive takes a shot at you, even though he picks you to win the whole thing. Right. At a certain uh, point, yeah. once you once you are setting club records every season and winning the supporter shield in the East Conference Championship, like it's just absurd to say, well, 
you know, no one believes in us. Like you were the um, at the game, so I guess you didn't watch the the Apple TV broadcast of the Union game, but you watched. You said you watched um, Apple TV for a couple of the other games yeah. or broadcast. What um, what games? What games are you watching? What you what you make of it? I watched like the first half of the Nashville game before I went down to the park, and then I watched bits and bobs of the. It was like a Vancouver game, and the um, yesterday the Sounders kicked the crap out of Colorado. Yeah. Um, I mean, what I, I so I didn't really watch any of the studio show parts of it. So I'd be curious what you thought about that, and like the mm-hmm. round show and stuff. I was really happy with the like the quality of the video was really good. Looked great. Yeah. The quality of the broadcast, like I, I thought originally, oh, these graphics are like a little simple, but actually it really works. Like that's kind of the in the modern era where everyone has good TVs. Like you don't need to get crazy with it. Yeah, yeah less is, sometimes less is more. You know. And the production quality was really high, like in terms of picking good replays. And yeah. um, most of the you know the broadcasters I heard seemed like they were doing a good job. Um, I mean, my problem with the my big picture problem with the Apple TV deal is just kind of like what does taking things off of local TV and putting it behind a paywall do in the in the long term? And I don't think that mm-hmm. we won when every game was free answered. And and you know we're kind of in a well, at least I'm kind of in a bubble where everyone I see on Twitter is like. MLS sickos. Um, but from like a technical perspective, right. I was really happy with week one. Yeah. So you and I are on the same page with this because I'm sure there's some people who are probably like laughing right now and be like, well, Kincaid was ripping the Apple thing from the beginning and hates Apple more than anything. But, but I was never worried about the quality of the broadcast or how they would do uh, presenting this to us. I mean, my concern was always about like, where does was my dad texting me and saying where the fuck is the uni game right i mean that's that's the thing that i was worried about right i think for mls diehards to be able to have that all in-house be able to watch the replays very easily to have the round table show i guess it was nigel rio coker uh andrew weeby uh taylor twelman i think and oh my god what's the host name was it jillian sekovitz i may have the wrong person there but um i mean that was good i mean it was just a quick like hey here's all the games here's the goals here's here's whatever i didn't really get to dive into too much um else because i was you know i had to watch the sixers game and i had to do all this other stuff and um but no i mean i thought it was good from a production standpoint they're just the problem is one of the problems is they're doing the same damn thing that everybody does and they have to cut away from the action they got to show a close-up of the guy's face and then you're like kind of late to arrive. And there's a shot on goal. And it's like, I just wish that they would never like just, just never cut away from the game while the ball's in play. You know, if somebody's down injured or something, or if there's a penalty kick and you got to cut out of it, that's fine. But like, I think that, you know, sometimes less is more with broadcast and soccer and you just got to kind of, you know, stay away from those kinds of uh, habits, you know, that you would have in, in basketball or baseball or whatever. And like, I, I heard there were commercials during the whip around show and stuff, which seems to very much defeat the point. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of room for experimentation. Like I would love to see a kind of all 22 kind of camera that gets sort of the view that like, you know, I've gotten used to up in the press box. You kind of see the game from uh, this higher up angle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are some real nerds who would love to have that kind of view. Um, and I don't know how much flexibility Apple has to like add those sorts of things, but I don't know from a feature perspective, I, you know, it's, it's a ton, they really spent a ton of money on it. So it's, yeah. And it's like, listen, I'm an MLS diehard. You're an MLS diehard. It's, it's perfect for MLS diehards. I wasn't worried about MLS diehards. I was worried about casuals. So I think that's where I draw the line of uh, demarcation. I, one last thought on that. Um, Danny Higginbottom was the, color guy for this game and Steve Cangelosi was the was the play-by-play guy so 
Cangelo has been the Red Bulls announcer for forever. Danny, the last two years, has been doing union stuff. So now they're both neutrals calling the game for for everyone. So I thought Danny did a really, really good job of making him pres- presenting himself as a neutral because he could have not that I'm not saying that he was a homer last year or the year before, but he was a union guy, right? And so it would have been easy for him to show favorability towards the union in that broadcast. And it would have been easy for Cangelosi to, you know, to show Columbus favorability since he was the Red Bulls guy. But I thought they both did a really good job of of making a neutral for a neutral crowd. And it's going to, maybe it's going to be kind of weird for these announcers to kind of, <laughs> you know, kind of get a feel for that, you know, right off the bat. But I thought that they did a, a, a solid job with it in the first game. Um, the, I did want to mention too, because I didn't mention this because I didn't do another podcast, but the broadcast rights, the radio rights, obviously went to 97, five, the fanatic um, this year. So the radio broadcast is going to be Dave and I guess Shannon's going to be on there with them. Sebastian's going to be involved. Some other people, Adam Collins going to be involved. Um, you know, obviously from a standpoint of, from the gambler's standpoint, like we don't, I'll say we, uh, we, you know, we don't have the rights anymore. Um, you know, cause the union wanted to go to, to a bigger platform and that's fine. I mean, I don't, I don't blame them. You know, it's, it's great that they have the fanatic involved, but, uh, you know, I would just like to shout out Sean and John Jansen and Joe Tansy and everybody over there for giving for, you know, really being at the forefront and giving the um, union a, a platform to, to start on with radio. And, you know, it was really fun doing that post game show. And I appreciate everybody, um, you know, listening to the post game show when we did it. And uh, I don't know, I don't think the fanatic announced if they're doing anything with that or not. Um, you know, maybe at some point they just have a thing where like their own talent comes on after the broadcast and says, Oh, 15, we'll do 15 minutes on the game and then get back to the Eagles or some shit. Right. You know, but uh no, I just want to take a minute to say thanks to everybody for um, for listening to the post game show on the Gambler, and we'll see what happens with uh, with the fanatic deal here. Do you have any thoughts? I need to look for a tweet here, actually, real quick. Do you have any thoughts on uh, the the fanatic thing? No, I mean, I think from a distribution perspective, like the fanatic, I was telling uh, Joe Tanzi in the press box, I was like, you know, I love the Gambler. I was trying to get your feet in Delaware one time, and it was, sounded like it was coming from Nebraska. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's, a, there's a big advantage from that perspective. But, no, you guys did a good job over on the Gambler, and uh, they're still going to be doing some coverage. I know that I think Fridays at 5 maybe is Tansy doing an hour uh, on, on Yeah, that. I think we're still – yeah, we did the Friday thing last week, and so the Gambler's still going to do plenty of union coverage. They're just not going to have the games on there. So, um and to be honest, too, I wasn't sure. I, I had texted Sean a couple weeks ago. I was like, hey, I don't know if I can do the post-game show this year just because I have two little kids. Like, they're one and a half and three and a half now. It's just like a grind with all the other crossing broad shit I have to do, and I'm not sure I'm going to be able to. I was only doing every other game uh, last week. So even if we went, even if it went to the Fanatic and they wanted to bring over the whole crew or whatever, I don't know if I would have done it anyway. And I don't know if I could do it anyway. It might be a conflict of interest. Um to take a paycheck from Beasley because I, I write about the radio on crossing broad anyway. So I don't think I could take a, a paycheck from them and then write like fairly about it, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Okay. The tweet I was looking for is because Jeffrey Mitchell is asking for a favor here. He says, Hey, can you please let your listeners know that this spring uh, at an SOB tailgate, I'll be shaving my head again for St. Baldrick's uh, in the past nine shaves, we've raised uh, over $40,000 to fund the research to find a cure for childhood cancer. So go to Jeffrey Mitchell's Twitter, at Father of Ben, at Father of Ben. You should know him by now. If you if you don't, I'm not sure how he's at every game. Um, and go to his Twitter, and he's uh, doing uh, the fundraiser again for St. Baldrick. So shout out. Yeah, I'd pay um, to see that. It sounds fun. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's all I have. There's some well, questions. Let me, ask, let, me, let me ask you one question, uh, yeah. just because you mentioned the grind. Um, the, the MLS season can be a grind for the players, and we've got um, you know a lot made in kind of the week leading up to the game about, so you need to have one more MLS game, and then they're doing CCL. And then they're yeah. also going to be in the U.S. Open Cup. They're going to be in the League's Cup. Yeah, all this stuff going on. How do you feel about the volume of games you're going to play this season? Like, are you looking forward to these Tuesday games against Alianza in, in a week and a half? Like, where's your where, where's your head at on, on that? I think I'm okay with it. I'm just out on the League's Cup bullshit. Um, yeah. I don't. I gotta be honest, man. I like. I hate to be crass, but this is a very honest podcast. We don't pull punches here. I fucking hate the league's cup. Mm-hmm. I, like, I don't give a shit about it. Why do I care about League MX? You know, I know that they want to push that from a business standpoint because they think that by you know combining you know the forces of Mexico and Canada and all of North America or whatever that it makes for a better. I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. You know, it just gives yeah, you more fun energy fire. there. Yeah, synergy gives more firepower across the board, and there's some intrigue there. But I, I, I don't. I, I want the. I think the union for the union to have a successful season. I think they need to win a trophy. Um, I don't like the fact that they could be rolling in the league or whatever in the Open Cup, and now you got like five, four or five different competitions, and you got to figure out what you're trying to prioritize. It's hard enough. It was going to be hard enough with the Champions League and with the Open Cup and with the Supporter Shield and with the MLS Cup at the same time. So now you're throwing this Fugazi thing in there too. And it's just like, I, I don't know. I, I mean, you know me, I, I, I'll take as much soccer as I can get. I just don't think it's, I don't know how that benefits the teams or the players, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I'm like in the NBA, I'm sorry. It's kind of like in the NBA where they throw these tons of these back-to-backs there. And, you know, these guys are sitting for load management and shit like that. I'm like, is this good? This is good for the owners and it's good for the uh, the arenas to make this money but that's it it's not good for the players it's not good for the fans it's not good for the the coaches you know well and i think uh, you know the that that has certainly been my take on it is that the league's cup in particular is just something without an audience there's some discussion on psp about you know thinking about it from the perspective of kind of mexican uh, mexican and hispanic fans who are would, are excited about seeing their teams play and maybe so on the one hand, it's like you get to see their teams play and and you're also getting some um, maybe some crossovers, like someone who wouldn't go to a union game. They're going to a League's Cup game and then they get into the union. Uh, I mean, f- but certainly thinking from like a union first perspective, that doesn't make an enormous amount of sense to me. And it's not like it's also like the union, because they did so well, they have kind of a, a weird draw like. Club T1 and Carretero in the first round are not going to be – my sense is that those are not big drivers. Um, so no, no. there would be some – so, yeah, I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting. I think the real question in these early months is, like, how deep of a run can they make in CCL and how do they balance, uh, you know, this – like, they got a Saturday game against Inter-Miami and then they're, like, 72 hours later, they got to be in – uh, I can't remember Costa Rica or wherever Allianz. Yeah, is. yeah, and I, I can't, you know, um, I think they're Honduras, right? Are they Honduras? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think the thing that bothers me too, or not bothers me, because people ask me, they're like, "Well, how would you prioritize like one through five, the league, or supporter shield, MLS Cup, Champions League, U.S. Open Cup, and League's Cup or whatever?" Well, League's Cup will be dead last, obviously, but I don't think that you can really put any of those in any kind of like order because you know. 
the attention that you pay to each one of them is kind of predicated on what happens in prior results of the other competition. That's a fancy way of me saying like, remember in 2021, they had a tie and they had two losses in the league. They had one point out of nine to start off because they were in the Champions League and they were playing Saprissa and they were playing Atlanta. So I don't want them to like get into a situation where it's like, oh, we made it to the semis of the Champions League again, but we didn't win jack shit. And then because of that, we fell behind in the league and now we're chasing on the supporter shield. So maybe it then adjusts their thinking. If they think the shield's out of the question, maybe they put more resources into the Open Cup or trying to win MLS Cup instead. You know, I just don't want them to play their way out of one competition because, you know, they're pushing for another competition and whatever. I mean, I think, honestly, like realistically, I think the trophies that they can win this year are Supporter Shield or MLS Cup. Um, yeah. I don't see them winning the Champions League. I mean, I don't mean to be negative about it, but let's like be practical. They got to play much better teams in that competition. And I have like PTSD from the Open Cup, so I just I'm like out on the Open Cup. Well, so- the Open Cup is so random. I mean, you, you you don't get basically any benefit for being in good form or anything. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, and I think I think they have the depth of squad to make real challenges on all these tournaments. But I, you know, I wrote a thing on PSP last week. I think that anything short of Maybe not quite anything short of MLS Cup is a failure, but I, I really think they've got a they've got a better opportunity than they're ever going to have to win MLS Cup this year. Lots of other teams taking a step back. They haven't lost anyone. Their squad's gotten stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, they should be hungry. Like I don't know. It's 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 weird to have such high expectations, but I really think that's where we're at. Yeah, I think in order for it to be a successful season, I don't think it's a hot take at all. I mean, because they went they went to the semis two years ago they went to mls cup last year uh they finished on a tie for the supporter show i mean in order for them to take the next step it's winning a trophy this year and then i think if they, if we look back at this era of philadelphia union soccer five to 10 15 years from now we can look back and say if they won the 2020 shield and then the 2023 um shield or mls cup then we call it a, a huge success i mean i just i don't want them to be i don't want us to look back at this era of the union and think of them like the 2007 to 2012 Phillies, you yeah. know, where you're like, oh, that was amazing. But, you or know, like, you the, feel 01, like the 01 to 04 Eagles, you know. That, yeah. But, but I think the difference there is that they, they didn't win shit, though. You know, I mean, with the Phillies, we were like, oh, we feel like they, we should have had another one from that yeah. team, you know. And I don't know, maybe we even feel that way about the Eagles when we look back, when we see how Howie, Howie Roseman's tenure, you know, wraps up here in the next however, however many years. But yeah, I think they got to win a trophy. And, um, that's kind of where my head's at, but a good start so far. I, I looked at the questions here. I think we answered most of what people were talking about. The only thing that we really didn't touch on, and we don't have to touch on this now. We can do this on, on another show, but we're talking about kind of like the light attacking options off the bench. And I think that's probably like one of the main things is like, Hey, you know, figuring out which one of these young strikers is going to contribute this year because Corey Burke was a big deal. Um, last year. And that's probably where they're, they're weakest at this point is probably attacking options off the bench. So um, we'll see. Um, final words, final thoughts, anything that you want to say before we get out of here? No, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I think it's a short off season and, and the season kind of snuck up on me um, getting started. It, it takes a lot of energy on our end to, to get the wheels going and to get all of our writers, uh, you know, back, but um, yeah. we're, 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 uh, expecting another good season over at uh, PSP. I mean, you and I have been doing this uh, forever. My site's been doing this forever. Um, yeah. And you're, uh, we're excited, obviously, uh, because this is a season that I think has expectations unlike any other. So it should be, yeah. it should be yeah. fun to cover. It's awesome. It should be a fun summer. I think, I think this is probably the most anticipated 
Union plus Phillies, uh, a most anticipated combination of Union plus Phillies season. Well, you know how you know that for the Union is that the season opener, it was like 25 degrees outside. And, and that place was rocking, man. Full. It was Plays full of rocking. Rock. Yeah, it looked great, man. I just, I just paused for a moment. I'm like, holy shit, is this the team that I covered for like seven years? I can't believe it. But as soon as you get out of the press box, they get, they got good. <laughs> no, I know. We make that joke at like every other podcast. Once, once me and Zeitlin left, uh, everybody fu- and Eli left, you know, that they got, uh, they got good. So go figure, but it's a good problem to have. Now I can watch it at home in the basement on the 85 inch in high definition. So it's fine with me. Um, Peter Andrews, uh, Philly soccer page. It's at PF Andrews on Twitter. It's always good to have you on the program, man. We appreciate it. And, um, maybe I'll drag my ass down there a couple times this year. I went twice last year. I went once the year before. So we're on pace for maybe three or four times this year. Yeah. It'd be great to be great to see you. And thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks everybody. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time, whenever that will be.